0: Lauren. Mike. Lauren, how many NFTs do you own?
1: Zero. I own zero NFTs. I have an NFT, but I don't own it just to make the whole NFT thing a little bit more complicated.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of confused. I might need you to help me make sense of it.
1: Well, I think I have a new way to frame it for you.
0: Oh, wonderful. Can't wait to hear all about it. Hi everyone, welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Kalori. I'm a senior editor at Wired and I'm
1: Lauren Good, I'm a senior writer at Wired.
0: Today we are talking about fancy digital photo frames, particularly the ones made to house NFTs. Maybe you've heard of NFTs, have we? We have. We <laughs> call them non-fungible tokens here in the, uh, in the journalism the business. Name. yes. NFTs are a way for artists and art collectors to buy and sell digital art online. and they've had kind of a remarkable rise and fall over the past year. For a while, NFTs were the domain of the crypto elite. You needed a crypto wallet and some knowledge of how to access Bitcoin or Ethereum to buy one. And you also needed to have some understanding of blockchain technology if you wanted to trade your NFTs or to show them off or to sell them. Now, some companies are trying to bring NFTs fully into the mainstream and make it as easy as possible to buy, own, and show off digital artworks. One of the ways they're doing that, which seems pretty frictionless, is a physical photo frame that's made just for displaying an NFT. Now, Lauren, you wrote about some of these NFT specific frames this week. Um, can you do me a favor and frame explain this to me?
1: Ooh, frame explain it. I like that. <laughs> so, I did write about this for Wired this week, but I have been experimenting with these frames in some form or another since around February. And the thing is, the NFT market has gone through a lot of ups and downs since then. Mm-hmm. And so it just became this story that I was chewing on and doing some reporting on over the course of many months. But I, I just kept holding off on, on really writing anything about it because I wasn't sure how the NFT market was going to ultimately shake out. That said, this week we ran the story. One of the companies that I focus on a lot in the story is called Infinite Objects. And their idea is to turn digital video loops into something that becomes frameable and therefore somewhat permanent and valuable and collectible. So, we started off the podcast talking about Photos, and we are, I think we're going to talk later on about how people can store and display their their actual photos because mm-hmm. it's so important to so many people. Mm-hmm. But this particular company is focused on video loops, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. So you go to Infinite Objects and mm-hmm. you buy something. Like, what do, you, what do you buy?
1: So this is a good question because they don't just sell NFT frames, although that's the thing that's been getting buzz lately. They also sell just art, digital art, graphic art, video art framed running on a loop that is not living on the blockchain in any way. So it's like non-NFTR. So they have this whole business that's just for like selling these goods that I like into like Spencer Gifts goods from circa 1994. Those of you who are older like me and Mike and spent some time in the mall in the 90s, you probably saw Spencer Gifts and you would see these like weird novelty things and lava lamps and things like that. And some of the infinite objects frames that are not NFTs kind of feel that way. But in other instances, they're allowing you to take an NFT piece of art that you bought on one of the NFT marketplaces out there, blockchain-based art, and have that displayed in one of the, you know, nice acrylic infinite object frames, and then they ship it to you, and then you put this frame on your counter like I did, and it's just playing on an endless loop.
0: So I've seen this frame. You have. That you have in your home. Yes. Uh, it has an image on it of, uh-huh. uh, of a uh, sports personality. On a loop. Yes. Describe it.
1: I will take any opportunity I can to describe Steph Curry. So yes, <laughs> Steph Curry, for those of you who do not know, MBA, MVP total all-star and star of our local team, the Golden State Warriors. Um, Incredible shooter. Also has broken tons of records. In fact, I had the privilege this year of being at the game where he broke the record for steals. But my friends and I like to joke that he breaks the record for stealing hearts.
0: Yes, he does. (laughs) Yes, he
1: does. So um, (laughs) thank you for allowing me to go on a little tangent. Also, by the way, (laughs) I sit in the nosebleeds and his like his shooting is still incredible from that far away. Okay. Awesome. So um so yeah, so so if you go to this website NBA Top Shot, which has been around for a while, right? It's the NBA's official marketplace for digital collectibles. They've really gotten into NFTs over the past year. So you could go to NBA Top Shot and purchase an NFT that is like a highlight, a highlight reel of a basketball player. And then you own that NFT. And then you would basically authenticate that on Infinite Objects website, and then you would get that framed and sent to you. Now, in this case, I don't own the Steph Curry NFT because I had been chatting with Infinite Objects as well as other frame makers for a few months, trying to figure out what the story was here. And as a standard in our job, sometimes companies will say, well, do you want to try this product for a while? And we accept loaners and then eventually we send them back or we sell them and we give the money to a food bank. And that's sort of how we maintain our ethical standards. Mm -hmm. So this company offered to send me an IO frame that had Steph Curry in it, a Steph Curry top shot in it. And that's the one that you've seen on my kitchen counter, but I don't actually own that. But what's interesting is if I go to the back of the frame, there's a QR code and I can scan the QR code and it takes me to the NBA Top Shot website and I can actually see a digital trail of all of the people who either own some version of that NFT or have pre-owned it and how much it's worth and what its top sale was, what its lowest sale was. It's a fascinating data trail.
0: So with this particular Steph Curry video loop,
1: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: how much is it worth?
1: (laughs) So one of the things... That's a little bit hard to get your head around. Like, okay, so in art, let's say there's a Picasso or a Van Gogh, and that's the original, right? But then, like in college dorm rooms and like West Elm living rooms across the country, you might see some kind of reprint of that art. And so you know that that is not the OG art, it's a reprint of it. NFTs can be somewhat similar in the sense that you buy this certificate that lives in the blockchain, indicating that you own some form of the original art, but it's not the only one in existence. So in the case of this Steph Curry video print that I have, there's a first owner, a second owner, a third owner, right? You can sort of go down the chain, down the blockchain. And then every time you go down the chain, it might decrease a little bit in value, but because it's digital, there can actually be replicas of it. So I think that there are over a thousand out there available for sale through NBA mm. Top Shot. I and it's a little bit confusing because <laughs> <laughs> because the top sale that I saw listed in this in this digital trail on the on the blockchain indicated that at some point someone paid as much as $6,000, more than $6,000 for this Steph Curry video print. More recently, it's been selling for as little as like $4.75. But That's also because that's not like the first or the second or the third. It could be like hundreds or thousands down the line in terms of the art. And so the value is lessened. Also, the NFT market has been cratering in recent months. So that affects it as well. And then if I were to go to the Infinite Objects website and take that video print that I either paid $6,000 or $4 for, depending on when I got in on it, and I wanted it printed, that would just cost $199 through the IO website.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah.
1: So so it's like the frame that is sitting on my kitchen counter that you have seen, and this is where the whole NFT art world gets really heady. That happens to be the first purchase, the first instance of it, because it belongs to Infinite Objects. And they were the first buyers of that Top Shot, and it's on loan to me. So that probably is worth a little bit more. But like you could also theoretically go on the Top Shot site right now, buy the same Steph Curry video print for less than a latte in San Francisco, have it printed and have sort of a similar thing living on your counter. We just have to then do a little bit of like forensics on the blockchain to figure out who's is valued at what and and what which is more valuable, even though we're having the same sort of display experience.
0: So about that dip in the NFT market, the person who paid $6,000 for this loop of Steph Curry shooting a three pointer and then sort of shimmying his shoulders and playing it up for the crowd. <laughs> Whoever paid $6,000 for that can probably still get $6,000 for that. Would it be difficult for them to get $6,000 for that You know, if they wanted to sell it? Because it seems as though even though like the, the larger interest in NFTs has fallen off the cliff in the last couple of months, crypto people are still pretty bullish on it. Right? Oh my gosh.
1: They're so excited about it still. Yeah. yeah it really depends on who you talk to. So all data points indicate right now that the NFT market has cratered in the past few months, in particular. Uh, in June, Bloomberg reported that the JPG NFT index, which is this. St- relatively newly launched index tracking the NFT market. It was down more than 30% since it launched in April. OpenSea is a phrase that people in this community say and hear a lot. That's the world's biggest marketplace for NFTs. Sales volume has fallen like 75% this summer. Um, And then I checked out this market tracker that's on nonfungible.com that indicated that The number of individual NFT sales, like unit sales, the actual sales in U.S. dollars, sales in the secondary market, so people reselling their NFT art, the number of active crypto wallets, all of those numbers have just plummeted in recent days, like over the past 30 days. And there was a lot of hype from celebrities back in February, March around the NFT market who now have suddenly gone silent. And I joked in my Wired story, they've gone back to either promoting their, you know, shows on Apple TV Plus or whatever, or they're on vacation, or they just maybe have lost interest in the NFT market. So the NFT market has changed a lot. But when you do talk to people in the crypto world, and in particular, I talked to Joe Saavedra, who is the CEO of Infinite Objects. I talked to Damian Medina, who's a crypto buyer and investor and also launched a frame company called Token Frame. They frame stuff for like thousands of dollars. They're still very, very excited. They think that the crypto market is inherently volatile. People who are in that market know it, they say. They're kind of riding the wave and they think that there's still going to be an upswing and that NFTs will survive whatever this latest downswing is. All
0: right, well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation.
1: Sounds good. So what say you, Mike? Have I convinced you to get an NFT frame?
0: You know, I do like this trend because when NFTs first came out, it was like, okay, great. I just bought a JPEG or I bought like Nyan Cat, a GIF, right? Mm -hmm. What do I do with it? How do I show it off? And to me, like buying something to display it and then hanging that on your wall seems like a, a pretty nice thing because then you actually have like a physical object, which... For people who have been collecting art for a really long time, the digital representation of a non-physical object is a difficult concept to wrap your brain around when you talk about ownership, right? Yes. So being able to own a piece of hardware that displays this digital object is – something that makes it a lot easier to grok for people, right?
1: Right. The way that Savedra from Infinite Objects put it to me is, think of these frames as a physical twin of the virtual original. Mm-hmm. And I was like, my mind sort of exploded. But it is a good way to think about it. And part of the value of our, aside from the monetary value or the resale value or whoever people are valuing art, part of the value of the experience is being able to show it to mm-hmm. the people around you.
0: So like speaking of value, if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. I could buy a copy of the same Steph Curry shooting a three and then shaking his shoulders Uh loop that you have in your fancy, super expensive NFT frame. I could buy a copy of that for under $5. And then I could go to Target and buy a digital photo frame for, I don't know, maybe $20 and load the loop that I bought onto that frame and then set it up in my home and have basically the same thing that you have. For a lot less money right is there anything preventing me from doing that
1: well <laughs> if we're going to get really technical on the gadget lab podcast i think you and i <laughs> would have to discuss file formats and how you're going to display a video on like a standard frame from target but what you're getting at the answer to the question that you're getting at is yes you could do that like you could take an nft That let's say you had a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT and you were using that as your Twitter avatar. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you would have to connect your Twitter account to your Ethereum, you know, to your your crypto wallet and Ethereum in order to have that be your avatar. There's also a world in which you just literally screenshotted your own asset that you own, turned it into a JPEG and shared it anywhere you wanted to. Right. So yeah, you could totally do that by buying a frame at Target. And I think one of the frames that you and I have talked about that we both have and we've written about in Wired is the Aura frame. Yes, and costs or- way
0: more than $25, but the Aura yeah. frame is, is great.
1: And that shows short video loops too.
0: Yeah, you can, you can load whatever content you want on it really and it'll display it.
1: Right. So I guess if you're really into the idea of blockchain-based art and blockchain-based assets and you want to go through... Like jump through the hoops of the authentication process and buy one of these frames that specifically like requires you to authenticate a- with your wallet and and load the NFT that way, then sure. But the end result might not look that different from what you are experienced with the Aura frame, right? And it raises the question of what is the value of that art that you're experiencing? Like when you look at the photos of, of your Aura frame, or people come to your home and see them, like what are we getting out of that experience?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's obviously priceless, right? Mm -hmm. It's sentimental. It's personal. It's uh, a reflection of my life and the people that populate it. It's different than art, I think, right? If you're buying a piece of art and you're hanging it on the wall, it's a bunch of things. It's like your support for the artist, your support for this particular ecosystem, like NFTs in general. You know, you're you're bullish on on NFTs, so you want to buy an NFT so you can prop the market up. Uh, it's also a reflection of who you are and your taste and your own sensibilities. Um turns your home into a different, a different sort of vibe when you hang a piece of art on the wall, right? So yeah, it's like that's all true. there's all this stuff wrapped up in it that I think some of the discussions about NFTs, which you know can can lean more towards like speculation and people talking about scams. And, oh, they're super hypey. Yeah, people concerned about value and mm-hmm. like really attaching value to objects. And I think there are a lot of people out there in the art world who would argue that that's not really what art is about. If you're talking about value and you're assigning value to pieces of art, that's more about patronage than it is about, uh, you know, sort of conspicuous consumption or market speculation, you know, you buy a piece of art because you want to see the artist continue to be an artist and continue producing art, right? Mm-hmm. You're giving them money to show them like, hey, I like what you're doing, keep doing it. And I get this thing that I get to hang in my home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a very different value proposition than just here the cute photos of my cat flashing on my aura frame or relatives or that time my friends and I went for a hike. Yeah. Which has its own value. Which is a different, it's a different proposition.
0: Yeah. So if I collect NFTs, if I went out and bought 16 of them back in the day and I want to show them off in my house, I can just go get an Aura frame and load all of these JPEGs or short videos onto the frame and then just show them as they cycle through.
1: So then you would have your personal photos interspersed with your super cool NFT art.
0: No. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I could, but I wouldn't do
1: that. And you bring up a good point, too, because Joe Saavedra from Infinite Objects, when I asked him about the cratering NFT market, he said something similar to what Damian Medina said, which is like, we're still we're going to ride this wave. We're still excited for things to come. This is still in its infancy, the whole world of NFTs. But he did say that with something like Top Shots, you know, they're really trying to appeal to fans. That's not necessarily the kind of thing that they're selling to speculators. There are always going to be speculators. There are always going to be people who buy an asset and then just immediately try to flip it or after a period of time try to flip it because they're just looking for to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. But there's something about top shots, even if you... Only spend $5 on it and it never really increases in value. You might just love Stephen Curry that much that you're like, it's worth it for me to have this and to display this.
0: Right. And I think it's very much the same thing with people who buy NFTs from their favorite visual artists. Like there's a visual artist they've been following for 10 years. You know, the NFT trend hit and they said, hey, I'm making NFTs now and you can buy one for 400 bucks or whatever. There's a lot of people I'm sure who just bought one just because they collect the art that that person makes. Maybe they're already displaying it on their digital photo frame that's hanging on their wall.
1: Right, but then they're supporting the artist if they buy it through, you know, some blockchain-based marketplace.
0: Yeah. Unlike a painting that that artist makes, I don't really own a physical object until I put it into a frame which I think is interesting. But I can take that painting and I can resell it for probably a lot more money than I could resell an NFT in a frame if I was a speculator, because it's the only version of that that exists in the world. Whereas Mm -hmm. the NFT, like, yeah, there are copies and yeah, there is a, a way to verify it on the blockchain, but it just doesn't feel as special
1: Yeah. But then if you have the physical art, you have to maintain that and care for it and have it in a temperature controlled environment. And then when you sell it, you have to ship it. So there are upsides and downsides to either.
0: Right, right, right.
1: I don't know. All of this kind of makes my head hurt. (laughs) Like the idea of... NFT frame makers trying to assign more value to NFTs by shipping them in physical frames when also they're saying the inherent value lies in the fact that it's digital is kind of like,
0: yeah, seriously. like
1: exploding head emoji. Also, speaking of exploding head emoji, did I tell you about the Elon Musk art?
0: Oh, you need to you need to talk about this. Oh, good lord. So this is one of the things that's for sale on Infinite Objects right now?
1: Right. I should just say that Infinite Objects frames are relatively inexpensive compared to some of the others that I took a look at, like mm-hmm. token frames and logo frames, those get up into the thousands of dollars for the just for the frames. And then you display the NFT that you've purchased. Infinite Objects frames range from seventy-nine dollars to around like 450 is the usual high end but then there was one listed on the site of course i went to their website i went to most expensive yeah and it was 600 hundred dollar frame uh that contains this video art of elon musk grimes and the baby uh named the
0: x25a yes yeah. Did I say
1: that properly? Yeah, I think you did. Thank yeah. you. It's the baby. <laughs> and it's a really, really interesting interpretation of of Elon and Grimes. They're sort of these like half human, half avatar cartoonish characters. They've got glass bellies and both of them have like babies either in their bellies or outside, you know, external from their bodies. and. They've, there are these like flashing words across the video and Elon is holding a knife that's dripping neon green blood and they've got chips in their brains. And I, I can't even begin to tell you how trippy this is, but this was the most expensive item on Infinite Objects website.
0: Also the most interesting item I've seen. I mean, I'm in talking the, about it. Yeah, in, in, I've, <laughs> it's, it's one of the most interesting things I've seen in the <laughs> NFT art world, I
1: must say. Are you compelled? Do you want one?
0: I mean, like, I keep coming back to this, but yes, you know, having something that is framed, that is displayed, that you can stop while you're walking down the hallway and look at makes NFTs much more appealing to me than just like, I own this thing and there's a record of it on the blockchain. And
1: it's in my, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah. It makes it tangible, right? Right. Puts it on a pedestal. You put it on a pedestal, it becomes art.
1: Yeah, that added tangibility is so interesting. We should also note that the NFT space is rife with scams and fraud and people just taking forged copies of things, too. Yeah, I think that once again, proponents of NFT are, are saying this is less likely to be forged because it exists on the blockchain and we have some kind of certification for the fact that you own this. But the fact that the properties of it are digital just means it's probably a lot easier for someone to just grab something off the Internet mm-hmm. and display it. There's nothing stopping us to your point earlier about can I just load this thing up on my aura frame? There's nothing stopping us from doing that. Right. And at least in conversation, you know, saying this is the art that I own when in fact there's no link to it on the chain.
0: Okay. So before we break and go to recommendations, I have one last question for you. Where is this all going to be in a year?
1: Oh, no.
0: Because a year ago, (laughs) we could not have (laughs) predicted that (laughs) NFTs were going to be Like hot shit and then all of a sudden (laughs) total shit and now are sort of occupying this fun space between the art world and the technology world where people are still excited about them, but the hype has died down. So now it feels like it's got its own natural sort of ecosystem that's cruising along. What's going to happen over the next year, do you think?
1: Might I add that a year ago or so, we talked to our colleague Kate Nibbs about this topic on the Wired Gadget Lab podcast, and I think that podcast episode really holds up quite Mm -hmm. well. So if people are looking for an explainer on NFTs, check that out in our feed. I kind of oscillate between two different ideas around this. And one is that, and I write this in the story, it's just a quick sentence that says, you know, with NFT art, the thing that is not new is not the art, the thing that is new is the exchange, the way Mm -hmm. it's being exchanged. And so there's part of me that believes that a year from now, we aren't necessarily talking about NFT art, but we are talking about the way that people are buying things and exchanging things or paying creators in a way that is blockchain based. And maybe that's the fundamental underlying technology that persists as we enter this Web3 world and all of this stuff is like sort of shaking out, right? Or as we, I don't know, as as crypto uh, continues to exist in some form or another, Then there's the other side of that, which is that actually art is the thing that is everlasting, and art is the thing that, uh, I mean, People buy art because it makes them feel some sense of like immortality, right? That's mm-hmm. why why people create art too mm-hmm. to leave their mark in the world. And that the thing that will persist is the art. And, and digital art is no less valuable in some cases than tangible art. And the thing that will go away will be this like crazy, hypey, buzzy NFT market and this hyper complicated way of buying things that like right now doesn't make sense to the average consumer, right? Attaching your wallet and authenticating through a wallet and buying crypto <sighs> and having the fluctuations of ether and all that. So I don't know which of those will be true. I don't. I, I'm not a good prognosticator. So I just don't. I I have very hard time saying what that is. But. I- I don't know. I mean, I don't have any NFTs. I don't have any. Maybe I don't have any crypto. I think I have like a smidge of crypto through the Robinhood app or something that yeah. I bought once to experiment with it.
0: Yeah, every technology you know? journalist owns like ten dollars worth of Bitcoin <laughs> right. because we had to buy some at some point for some story. <laughs> right, over right. The last ten years. Yeah,
1: whatever we can afford. You know, with our immense generational wealth as journalists, <laughs> and and so like, yeah, like this is not. I have no. I have no vested interest in any of this, except for that I'm very curious to see how it goes. And I can't even like begin to say what it's going to look like in a year.
0: All right, well. What do you think though? What do I think? I think HODL. All
1: right. (laughs) You're in it to win it. You're in for the ride.
0: I mean, you know, like I I said earlier, I think it is valuable for artists uh, to have like a new way to sell their work. But at the same time, uh, I think the artists who have gotten into it Like the traditional artists who have gotten into NFTs maybe did not see the great inflation of their bank accounts that they were expecting based on the hype that got them into it. So I think, you know, it's an experiment for them. And then there are people who are native digital artists or native uh, crypto fanatics who are creating and trading NFTs for whom this is just the new reality. But it's just another sliver of the art market. So... I'm just excited to see how that evolves. It's not going away, I don't think, but it is definitely going to evolve and it's going to change.
1: I look forward to the next time I come to your house seeing whatever NFT you've purchased.
0: All right. This shirt actually is an NFT. Wow. Yeah. I bought it on the blockchain.
1: Whoa. What's it called?
0: Uh, It's called Shirt (laughs) 01.
1: That is so deep.
0: (laughs) Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll do our recommendations.
1: Non-blockchain recommendations.
0: All right, this is the last part of our show where we each talk about things that the listeners might enjoy. Lauren, you go first. What is your recommendation?
1: Okay, okay. Just to sound like a well-rounded human being, I have to say I'm reading two books right now, but mm-hmm. I haven't finished them yet. So I try not to recommend things before I finish them. Sure. But I am reading uh, the Anna Wintour biography. Ooh. She's our boss, by the way. And <laughs> she's
0: like our boss's 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 boss. She's
1: like our boss, boss. Yeah.
0: She runs uh, editorial creative at Conde Nast.
1: Which is our parent company. Yes. Yes. I've received one email directly from her once.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. So
0: is this this book, is this a biography or an
1: autobiography? It's a biography. Okay. And I'm enjoying it for what it's worth. I'm also reading Krista Bilton's Normal Family, which um, the subtitle is how she met and came to love her 35 siblings. Wow. Yeah, there's a sperm donor story there. It might actually be, at this point, much more than 35 siblings. It's fascinating. It's a really great story. Um, But I'll come back to those once I have finished those books. What I actually recommend is something very basic. It's Mineral Sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So mineral sunscreen is different from chemical sunscreen because chemical sunscreens use specific chemicals to create a kind of reaction in your skin and stop UV rays from penetrating. And mineral sunscreen is also sometimes called physical sunscreen or a block because it uses ingredients like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide that sort of sit on the top layer of your skin and protect you from the sun. And many dermatologists agree that mineral sunscreen is better for you. And chemical sunscreen because it is not filled with chemicals, right, which makes a lot of sense. Now the reason why a lot of people don't like mineral sunscreen is because it makes your face, like it creates this cast mm-hmm. on your face, right? It's like pretty obvious that you're wearing it. As someone who is a sometimes surfer, I have to say I don't care if there's a cast on my face. Like I'm not, you know, so vain that I'm like, oh no, I look sort of ghost-like or paler than usual because I'm wearing mineral sunscreen. To me, it is worth it to have the added protection. Right. Some people are a little more self-conscious about that. That's fine.
0: And it doesn't matter because when they photograph you on the giant wave, you'll be so small in the photo because That's the right. wave is so huge. That's that right. They won't be able to see your face. Exactly.
1: Like when I'm on the 70-foot wave in Nazareth, Portugal, it's just like, you know, no one's really paying people, attention to my pinch, mineral sunscreen.
0: Pinch zooming in.
1: Right. <laughs> I mean, your face looks kind of funny. <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, if you're looking for sunscreen this summer, now that it's August, uh, I recommend checking out mineral sunscreens. I've been using one from CeraVe. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, okay. but CeraVe. You can find it at most pharmacies, but it's a French brand. Uh, you use SPF 50. You're also supposed to reapply once every two to three hours. Don't forget to do that. I
0: never reapply. I,
1: I, it's so easy to forget to reapply. But I, yeah, I recommend checking out mineral sunscreen. And that is the end of my tour as beauty influencer. Awesome. What's your recommendation?
0: (laughs) I'm going to recommend a game. Okay. Uh, It's a mobile game. Um, I go down these weird rabbit holes where I get completely addicted to a game and then I don't play it for maybe a year. And then one day I'm bored and looking at my phone and I'm like, oh, yeah, that game seemed like it was fun. This is one of those games. It's called Hole Down. Uh, H-O-L-E-D-O-W-N. And I think I recommended this before, but I'm recommending it again because I rediscovered it and now I'm completely addicted to it. In fact, (laughs) when deciding before recording this podcast whether or not this is going to be something that I was going to recommend, I played around (laughs) just to remind myself of how great it was. Um, All
1: for research.
0: So the game is a, a, a game where you shoot balls at blocks to break the blocks and each block has a number on it the number on the block is the number of times you have to hit it with a ball so if uh it has like a, it's a block with like a 12 on it then you shoot oh. 12 balls at it and it explodes you have a finite number of balls so there's some strategy involved the balls also ricochet around so you can hit one block and then it bounces off and hits another block uh and the goal is to mine for crystals so it's called hold Down because the game goes down the screen. So you're always drilling through these blocks by throwing balls at them. Uh, it's super fun. It's super cartoony. It's a casual game. You know, uh, rounds last around five to ten minutes each. So it's something that you can do while you're waiting in line at the post office. <sighs>
1: <laughs> do people still do that way in line at the post office?
0: No, but that's the thing that every, uh, well, we're that's, right. that's yeah, the trope right. that everybody yeah, uses I'm when they're like advertising. In light at the grocery games. store. Right. Yeah.
1: You for so you did recommend this once before. Yeah. And I'm watching a little demo of the game right now on the holddown.com website and it looks very addictive and fun.
0: It is. It's also it's one of those games where the object is to clean the board. Mm-hmm. So if you have any like obsessive tendencies about cleaning or about completing things, then it is total catnip.
1: And how much does this cost?
0: Uh, it's 4 bucks on the phone. You can get it on Android or iOS.
1: On their website, they have recommendations from The Verge, Kotaku, Polygon, and Macworld. I'm looking forward to them saying, Wired's Gadget Lab. If yeah. you have any sort of compulsive <laughs> disorders, this is the game for you.
0: <laughs> if your <laughs> brain is broken, your your love hold down. <laughs> you'll love Hold Down.
1: You'll love Hold Down. Uh, Well, that's delightful. Thank you. Also, I've been seeing some of the good stuff you've been reading on Goodreads.
0: Oh, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I'll have to recommend one of those books next week.
1: Yeah. uh, Because I stalk Mike's Goodreads for those of you who haven't been listening to our earlier podcasts. (laughs) Mike is my only friend on Goodreads.
0: Yeah. You're also my only friend on LinkedIn. Really? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our show this week. Thank you all for listening. Lauren, thank you for joining us.
1: You're welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you have any feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter. Just check the show notes. Our producer is Boone Ashworth, as always.
1: The non-fungible Boone Ashworth.
0: (laughs) I'm going to frame him and hang him on the wall. (laughs) We'll be back next week. Until then, goodbye. Hi, everyone. Michael from Gadget Lab here.